Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Boeing shielding the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins. Still Bo's old arch nemesis, Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill, it's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo will for you come Coming at you with stats and things, flapping their wings. You can't live up to expectations, so just do your best. (laughs) That's what I tell myself in most life endeavors. (laughs) Just go with what you saw today. Change your opinion daily. Yeah, I'm all about that. You'll be wrong often, but then you can just point back to when you were right. No one will remember. No one's listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a Tuesday afternoon from South Philadelphia at the Novacare Complex, the media house, Bo Wolf. Shil Kapadia, this is Birds with Friends. Plenty to talk about on the show today as the Eagles ship sinks further and further into the water. Uh, we will get a little bird through the grapevine, what we learned from the coordinators today, and a uh, truncated locker room session. Your questions and getting a bird in edgewise, and a little owl you know for you, Sheil, about uh, some of the decisions facing this team in the offseason. Wow, we're doing that already. Well, I well, think you saved it's a, that. I think it's going to be a good a good frame for the conversation. All right. As the Eagles prepare for what is uh, certainly a loss. I thought you were going to come on come on here with a different attitude today. Season's not over. I don't think that the season's so over. So there you go. I think people want to hear. Let's hear that take. I don't. Think I think that the, some people want to hear that take. I don't think that the season is okay. over. I do think that. You're, meanwhile, you're preparing Al. You know questions about the off season. Uh, well, in week I think 11. you still have to think about it. I think that the Eagles will be four and six, but I don't think that precludes them from making the playoffs. Their path is through the division. It doesn't really matter what they do in, on Sunday. Yeah, I think until they are down by like three games in the division. I mean, even if they lose on Sunday and yeah. the, and Washington will they be wins, three down? they will be three games down. But then but, you still get two against Washington, right? And it's you, not crazy that they. I mean, I don't think that's yeah. Sunday is not a must win. In, no, and uh, thank in my God expectations. for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, okay. I think. I mean, I think nine shot. and seven with two wins over Washington wins the division. Eight and eight, two wins over Washington could win the division, I agree with that as well. Well, I was talking to Jimmy Kemsky about this in the locker room, and, you know, we both watched that Washington game pretty closely, and so we're talking about how— Now, was this the same conversation when you said, I hate Florida? uh, It was the beginning of that, yeah. Okay. And so we both were just talking about how how bad they looked, basically, and they won the game. And this is sort of a frustrating part about football is that, like, it's only 16 games and a small sample size, whereas— Baseball, yeah. basketball, I don't know anything about hockey. We'll have to ask Charlie O'Connor. I would imagine it's the case. Is you know, after a certain amount of the season, like at this point in the season or more towards the halfway point, you can say, all right, these are fluky teams. The numbers don't back up the record. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And in football, it's just kind of not the case. You know, like I mean, Washington, yeah. if this was a 40-game schedule or 40-game season, then their flaws, I think, would be pretty heavily exposed. However, they've gotten this far, and like that's not a game they really should have won against Tampa. They've had other games like that. 
And you know what? If they get like one or two more of those, like a win where you shouldn't, right. then you're probably going to sneak into the playoffs. And it's um, that's just the way it is. You, you kind of see that. It feels like there's one team every year, right? Like I, I think at least one team. Yeah. But that is that's what makes football interesting. It's a okay. it's a 16 game season. You get you know 10 to 12 possessions a game, whereas yeah. in basketball you get you know like 100 or however many possessions it is, and 82 games. You there's there's much. Uh, much larger yeah. of a sample size to find out who the good teams are. Be, That's why I what, think what in the think NBA you get the one thing I like about the NBA is it is the most meritocratic uh, in mm. terms of the champion being crowned. That's true. Even the in best baseball, team, the best team always wins in the NBA. Yes. Whereas in, in baseball, you play 162 games and then everything changes. You get yeah. a, a short series. Okay. So I just thought of this. Let me know what you think. Uh, t-shirt idea. BWF and then underneath, every game counts. Just thought of that. What do you think? It's okay. <laughs> I'm just. Kidding. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's the T-shirt that I'm gets us back kidding. into the T-shirt game. We okay. have. We have dropped the ball a little bit on the. We've dropped the ball on everything. Like we are. We are. That's per- a better T-shirt. We're performing as poorly as the Eagles. That's this a better year. T-shirt. I'll say that. BWF. We dropped the ball. Yeah. I mean, we don't promote anything. We haven't done a live pod. You haven't heard me talk about the uh, the rankings because we're certainly not shooting up the rankings. You know, your accents getting us negative reviews. <clears throat> You're anti-American. I, I stand takes. by. At least we tried something new. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we are what our record says we are. Four and five. I think that's probably fair. Okay. Yeah. Our season is over. <laughs> it's right. not over, oh. but we will lose on Sunday. Okay. You and I. All right. Okay. How you doing? How's your How's your last uh, couple days? No, been? no, that was the small talk. Let's get to the good stuff. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk, we can talk about that at the end. All right. Fine. Jeez. <laughs> So, Mike Groh, Jim Schwartz, meet the media today. Doug Peterson yesterday, which you know you were you were too good to show up for. Yeah. Um, which one would you like to talk about first? Why don't you fill me in on your impressions of Doug yesterday? Well, I think the the most interesting thing was the uh, the explanation for why Golden Tate was not used very often, and that was that he decided to go up tempo. In the second quarter, and uh, Golden Tate was not really part of the up-tempo package, which I don't buy because at the end of the game, when they were going up-tempo, Golden Tate was on the field. Oh, so where was your follow-up with that? I was too tired. Oh. I don't want to be the combative guy, you know. Oh, I love you. Come on. I do fun. want to be the combative guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, well, that's a good observation because when he said, when he gave that explanation, I thought, okay, I can kind of buy that. Yeah, maybe there was a specific... I don't know. I will ask him that tomorrow. Okay. Um, that was the only thing I thought that was interesting. Yesterday. What would you think of when he was like, Ronald Darby's out with an ACL, go ahead and tweet that? He said something like that. Yeah, I thought that was Just fine. Just joking around? I thought that was fine. Okay. Because it's true, once he says that, everyone... Yeah, like races to get. Because that's one home. of those where no one had that injury before, right? You know, so, um, so Ronald Darby is out, which maybe you'll. Uh, I won't. We we don't even talk about him. Maybe we'll get to him later. We can talk about him. Okay. Well, I mean that. Maybe you feel bad for him. For you sure. feel bad for him. I mean, the guy is what uh, seven games away from free agency yes. for the first time, right? For the first time. For the first time, and uh, tears his ACL. I mean, I think it's pretty clear. I haven't been the biggest Ronald Darby fan. 
same time, he would have made a nice chunk of change out there, a healthy cornerback uh, on the open market. Yeah, and and after, so, after watching Rasul Douglas, maybe you have a maybe more have healthy... Maybe a different opinion. Yeah, it can be a, true. A, uh, yeah, um, appreciation for... You know what? I, didn't, I thought there was like no chance Darby was going to be back if healthy. And now they're, you know, this is sort of an interesting theme is that on a few of these guys, they're going to have to make decisions on because the McClouds, the Darbys, potentially the Ajayis are going to... They might have to settle for one-year deals, right? Well, McLeod is not a free agent. McLeod, okay, that's true. They have a contract. But a renegotiation, yes. um, that type of deal or cut. Um, and also, they're, they're uh, you know, this is part of uh, what I didn't like about the Golden Tate framing of, uh, well, you're going to get that comp pick back. You don't know that. True. Jay Ajayi, Ronald Darby, these guys who the Eagles were expecting to get uh, decent comp picks for, all of a sudden, maybe not the case anymore. Totally fair. Totally fair. So um, we'll see what happens with him. It's it's more likely today than a week ago that he would be back in an Eagles uniform next I year, right? That. Okay. And then you look at your corner situation the rest of the way. You hope to have Sidney Jones back on Sunday. It sounds like he probably will be. If you are thinking of the uh, the future of the Eagles instead of trying to win games this season, if you were weigh- if you were weighing that. Uh, heavier. Yeah, I think there is uh, some good news that you're going to get a bit of an answer on on Sidney Jones, the outside cornerback. I think. Yeah, I mean that honestly probably you could go that route either way. You could say it gives you the best chance to win. You could, or, right. and that would be totally reasonable. Or you could say uh, say the other way that yeah, you're going to get a good look at him, see what he's got. I mean, the injuries do have to be concerning at this point. Yeah. I would say, but. Uh, yeah, that will be one storyline to watch the rest of the way, I would assume. But we'll see. I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. There's a, uh, yeah. I mean, certainly we didn't expect the uh, rotating safeties. Rasul Douglas, who are your <clears throat> options at corner for this week? I mean, Rasul Douglas, Shannon Sullivan, Sidney Jones, Cravon LeBlanc? Yes. Am I missing anybody? They could uh, promote your boy Big Baus. Well, yeah, well, that would too much wisdom and they don't that they don't possess so i would i, I don't know what they're going to do with <laughs> don't I, I don't know what they're going to do with sydney jones are they going to play him outside and move him inside a nickel or just play him in nickel i think i well i can think get he's, to this later in the he's week gonna, obviously yeah I'm we'll get to it out loud my guess is i think i think he will play on the outside in base i i have okay. a little doubt about that if he's playing yeah and yeah, so the question is, would you rather have him going inside and Shandon Sullivan coming into the game or Avante Maddox going inside and Corey Graham probably playing the majority of the snaps, given Jim Schwartz's answer today, his explanation as to why they rotated guys because Corey Graham was coming off an injury, didn't want him to have to play too many plays. He never wants him to play too many plays, yeah. and I and completely understand why he doesn't well, want the, him to play yeah, any plays. Exactly. So if there's a guy who you you are uh, specifically saying you don't want to play that many plays, maybe he's not the answer. Trayvon LeBlanc playing nickel? Is that an option? I feel like if he was going to play, he would have played last week. Okay. I uh, I think they should keep, I think they should keep Maddox at safety. I do too. I think he's better at safety, and I think I think he's a. We were going to talk about this after the game. I think he's a. He excites me more as a safety than as a nickel. Hundred percent. Yeah. Small sample size with the yeah. nickel, obviously, and he's but, shorter, so it's literally a smaller yeah. sample size. Okay. Uh, but yeah, in this game, I mean, 
where it's like yeah. a win if you don't give up a 50-yard touchdown. Keep Maddox back there, I feel like. Yeah. And they're going to, like, you know, Michael Thomas will be in the slot. I'd rather have Sidney Jones covering him than, you know, let Boy. let Shannon Sullivan get toasted on the outside by uh, whoever, Traquan Smith or whatever. Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall seems him? like an Did ideal matchup him? for Rasul Douglas. That's true. Wow. What a turn this season has taken. Yeah. Okay. That's all from Doug, right? I think that's all no from Doug. No other major injuries or anything? No. Mills feels like he's not close to being back yet? Correct. Okay. Lane Johnson said he was close okay. to playing, but... Is that who you asked about? Yeah, that was... Yeah. Oh, I thought that was Sidney Jones you asked about. Oh. Okay. Didn't pick up the audio. That's okay. All right. Uh, then today we by Ty, by the way, I, I I didn't think he played poorly, and I thought he played better than uh, I was expecting him oh, to okay. play in that game. I mean, there was the one fourth and one where the whole right side of the you right. know, got, got blown up, and uh, by Ty <clears throat> got away with the big hold on that one play where they zoomed in. I don't know if you remember that, hmm. um, but other than that, I thought he was fine. Okay, yeah. Jim Schwartz started things off today. Little, I think we got a little bit of uh, last year Jim Schwartz, a little testier today. Not quite all the way, but he uh, he protested any questions about the picket fence defense. Said since they've they've been running that that defense for three years, never given up a first down, which I guess is true. Uh, we immediately thought of the fourth and fifteen against the Titans, but I guess that was not technically the same defense. He says uh, that was just more of a regular zone. And uh, he said that he counts it if they give up enough yards and then they then pick it up on fourth down, which the Cowboys almost did, but then they had a false start. But the willing surrender of yards has uh, come back to bite them a little bit. I think it's it's fair to question. He thought it, it sounded like he, he uh, stands by that wholeheartedly. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with the general concept of it, you know, on those third and fourth and longs. If you're just, if you're in a point, at a point in the field where you're just trying to not give up a first down, certainly for teams like at its own, I don't know, 30 or uh, or closer to their end zone. However, uh, yeah, I thought he was, he was a little bit too aggressive there because... What, what's also bad about it is it's so predictable. Well, that's... Anytime right. they're in third and long, right. that's what they go to. Yes, and so there was a play. I forget. Did you say it was Carolina? I think it was Jacksonville. Okay, there was a play where they're playing the picket fence, and they give up a big game. They don't give up a first down, but the team kicks a field goal. Right. Well, on what planet is that a successful play call? I mean, that's insane to defend it there. And then in this game, I mean, it's third and 15, and you give up 14 yards. Like, that's not a time to be, you know. And that was a perfect example because that was a play specifically designed by the Cowboys to take advantage of that defense. Yes. Yes, 100%. And then, the, yeah, they were going to go for it on fourth down. And then they had Even a false Jason start. Garrett was going to go Even Jason Garrett was going to go. So that was not a successful play. And, uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, I predicted that on Sunday the Saints will definitely have something for that and they'll pick up a third uh third and 14 or whatever, and then we can ask him next Tuesday, now that it's not 100%. I mean, I I really don't have, like, I know some people really hate it. I don't have, like, personally a huge issue with it in most situations. But at this point, when every team knows it's coming, I do think you probably want to pick your spots a little bit better with it. But, yeah, that was as 
defensive as he's been all season, I thought was about the, which what a weird thing to be like so yeah. mad about, <laughs> was defending the picket fence. I have a feeling he's hearing some noise from elsewhere about that. What else uh, did you take from Mr. Schwartz? Well, I don't know. I mean, just with Schwartz overall, like watching the um, film of the defense, I feel like I've been pretty critical of Schwartz this year. I think that's fair to say. To me, this wasn't a game where it was like Jim Schwartz's fault. I mean, the 132-yard run, I I kept playing it back. You know, all right, who who was at fault? Who was on the field? I mean, it's a down block on T.Y. McGill. Is it's Josh Sweat getting upfield and leaving this massive hole? It's Rasul Douglas. Uh, I can't remember if this is the one where he missed the tackle or was getting blocked by the tight end. And then it's Trey Sullivan getting hurdled in the open field. I mean, I don't right. know. At some point, going up against well, Ezekiel Elliott and you're playing those guys like I don't know. You know, I know, that's and I know that him. those guys have to play some snaps, specifically at, on the defensive line, but. You got to win the game, man. Fletcher Cox empty his tank. Well, we don't know that. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of times Fletcher Cox has the uh, freedom to ask out or not yeah, ask out. You're right. And you're so right. I didn't watch I that specific um, play. I mean, other takeaways there, sort of. He, you know, he Schwartz was asked about Rasul Douglas. I mean, that game-winning drive. I counted like Douglas's responsibility on gains of seventeen, twenty-four, and twenty-three. Now, if you want to say, all right, well, what are they? Are they not coaching this guy in practice? Right. This is his second year. He was a third round pick. He should be better prepared. That's totally fair, I think. But you know, they weren't running two invert and everyone confused. It was just like the right. guy, you know, is giving up big plays. He looks like he's in over his head. Uh, he really struggled in this game throughout. You know, all the calls of this is one of those where we talk about. All right, the coaches have more information than us. Mm -hmm. I felt like that was in my head as I'm watching Douglas out there, and you're thinking, all right, well, why didn't they replace another corner with him? It seemed pretty obvious. I mean, there was that screen on third and fifteen, end of the first half. To Douglas's uh, credit, uh, totally accountable for that in the locker room today. It was like I did a bad job there. You know, I got to get outside, force him inside, give Jenkins a shot. He said, like, I guess he thought he was closer to the sideline at that point. It was honestly a totally reasonable explanation, I thought. Um, And kudos to him for being like, I messed that up. That was a big play. That was a big play um, on that drive. And so we'll see. You know, I'm not not like 100% out on him. I'm not like, all right, this guy can't play. It wasn't an encouraging performance. I'm like, I'm kind of not to the extent of Sidney Jones, but it's like, all right. Let, let's give him like a three game sample, three four game sample size, and see what he does. I think that he, uh, I think he's probably a fourth cornerback. Probably I think that's probably the truth. That's the most likely outcome. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I didn't think there was much else from Schwartz. Uh, you know, he is playing with a a bit of a shorthanded deck. Yeah, I mean, definitely. They, they've been hit with injuries on that side of the ball. I mean, I, I really hate the um, tackling is the issue sort of thing. Yeah, I don't agree with that either. Because it's like every defense misses tackles. You know what I mean? Like, and I they're, not, they're not missing, like, tackle after tackle. I mean, Darby's one was bad on that one third down. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but overall, I didn't watch that. This wasn't a game where I left it thinking, man, their tackling is right. like, you know, 
they're in position and their <clears> tackling <throat> is terrible. So it's like every coordinator can say that, and every defense misses tackle. I did think his his one point was right, which is sort of every team misses tackles, but like the good defenses are swarming and you miss one and there's another guy there or you slowed the guy down enough and then right. someone else finishes. I mean, that happens all the time. And uh, so you can make the argument that that wasn't happening. But no, I don't look at this defense and say the issue is that they're tackling poorly. That's um, that's sort of my take there. Uh, I will say, you know, there was a... I just wa- watching the whole film, I was like, the difference in linebacker play between these two teams was just so, so glaring in this game. I mean, you look at every, almost it felt like every key play that the Eagles were getting blown up on on offense, and it was a Cowboys linebacker just like, you know, doing something really well, making a play, getting off a block, being faster than an offensive lineman, uh, making a play behind the, all those things. And then you look at the Eagles linebackers and the big runs they're giving up. I don't think the linebackers were like primarily at fault, but they're not getting off blocks. They're not making plays behind the line of scrimmage. Camus obviously has the injury but i mean that is such a huge that is like a potentially a season changing play there right yes if he has a pick six there yeah very good chance that they win the game and uh and so he doesn't make that play and so you know the margin between winning and losing is very thin as we talk about all the time i just feel like it would be interesting to see this defense with like a playmaking linebacker here like that guy's a beast that guy's it is, tough to block it seems uh Reductive, I guess, to be like, oh, they don't have playmakers. But it really, like, even when Bradham and Hicks are are playing well, it's more that they are, like, you know, they're in the right spot. Yeah. It's less that they are, at least to my eye, like, you know, really making plays. Yeah, I don't think that, I mean, I think that's fair. Maybe that's the point. And maybe that's the scheme. I mean, you're looking at their takeaways per game, you know, they're at 0.8 still, what, 28th in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, the linebackers have combined for what did I say before? I think it was one interception and zero forced fumbles. You know, makes a difference. Yeah. So we'll see, we'll see what they do this um, this off season there. But uh, that just felt like a big takeaway where you're watching one side of the ball and those guys are all over the place, and then you're watching uh, the Eagles defense and they just kind of exist. It felt mm-hmm. like. And then Mike Rowe. Showing up with, I have to say, a good-looking head of hair. The lettuce was looking sharp today, I thought. It's uh, Doug Peterson's number one quality. I think, that's, it's, it's, I think that's right. Yeah. It served him well at times. Frank Reich, yeah. himself. Uh, but you could, I think you could sense that he's feeling the heat a little bit. Little ten- it, it, this was the day where it felt a little tense with the coordinators, I think. Um, and uh, one of the main questions being lobbed at, at Mike Groh is about uh, their lack of success in the first quarter, as you have pointed out, dead last in the league Yeah, in first quarter points. Uh, those those scripted plays do not seem like they have worked very well this season. Uh, and so there were a lot of questions about, uh, you know, specifically that first play of the game, which seemed like it was a bit of a jumbled mess. And, uh, you know, Zach Ertz one-on-one blocking to Marcus Lawrence, not really enough time to get the ball downfield. Um, and I think he was, uh, you know, a little bit defensive. Fair to say? A little bit, yeah. I didn't I, think it was combative. Right. But. Uh, I do think he's he's got to be feeling the heat, right? I mean, it's yeah. like uh, the offense has taken this big step back, and he was you know, put into this position as Doug Peterson's right-hand man, 
and he now he would not answer the question about what role do you have in the scripting plays, which was just so yes. you know going back to last year where they're just spelling it out and yeah. painting this beautiful scene <clears throat> and yep. Doug Sotaro. I mean, I'm not going to crush him for that. Like, obviously, it's when things are going well, it's easier to right. talk about. Like, I remember when I was in. Um, I look forward to reading Doug's book this offseason to find out how things worked this year. I remember in, in uh, my one year in Seattle, they had a, uh, you know, things weren't going well and they're clamming up and then they went on this run. And then I asked about, you know, someone mentioned that the plane ride back, it was actually in New Orleans. They lost a game in New Orleans and they someone mentioned like, oh, the plane ride back is when we decided we had to do this, this and this. And this is like four games later. We're on the, they're on this run, and they're oh yeah, he sits right next to me, and you know, right when we got on, <laughs> they're painting this whole picture. So uh, I get it. It's not. It was just. Yeah, it was just answer. funny. Yeah, yeah. It was just funny yeah. how last year there was a lot more, a uh, lot more color there. Um, what else was I going to say? The first play, you know, Baldy had the Baldy breakdown yeah, I saw of it. That. Yep. I'm not really sure. He was saying like it seemed like the receivers didn't know what they were doing. Uh, I watched it. I felt like they were running their routes yeah. deep. They just Ertz couldn't hold off Lawrence. Which, right. if you want to crush the Eagles for putting him in that position, that's fair. I mean, they do do that on a weekly basis, but maybe not on the first play of the game. Right. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. And he said after the game, you know, I've got to make that block. I don't know about that. It seems like you're probably going to lose that battle right. seven, eight times out of ten. Uh, there was, I think, Jeffrey and Aguilar to that side of the field. Wentz had no chance to get the ball to them. Gross said it wasn't an RPO. It, so it wasn't was an RPO. It play action. The, the old run action to the left yes. and then Wentz to the right. right. Andy Reid play call. Play yeah, action yeah, on the you're right. Play of the game, the first take a play. shot. You know what? You're right. Yeah. And uh, then once Ertz got beat, he just kind of turns around and mm-hmm. Wentz throws him the ball. So... You know, I don't know if I would say jumbled mess or I don't know that it's it's being described. It was kind of like enough. a yeah. guy couldn't hold off a block and the play got screwed up. Right. You know, there are many plays like that uh, throughout the course of a game. What else from Grill? I think that's it. I mean, he. I mean, he was describing some specific plays. You know, yep. he wouldn't. He didn't give me a good answer on that screen to Clement. Whether Clement. No, but he did give you a good answer on the Alshon Jeffrey play. He did, which which I have to go back and listen to it. But he he made it sound like that wasn't Wentz's fault, right? Yeah, he said it was Jeffrey's fault. Well, I mean, not he, his. Fault. He said he the timing. Well, got I mean, there up. was a Carson Wentz pump fakes on that play, right? So it did look like the timing was off. Yeah, and I I know what he's saying. I remember watching the play. I know what he's saying. Like that defender flashed in front of Jeffrey, and so he made the move a little bit, you know, a half second after. He yes, left, and that's why the the pump fake comes, but. Yeah, he I still mean, could have made a better throw. I think I thought it was a you thought he was man to sit. zone because confu- if you watch it, if he does sit, right, it's it should he's be much open. easier throw and he's wide open. Wentz made the throw um, on the thought that he's going to continue his route, um, but it sounds like it was zone, but he still was supposed to continue his route, I mm-hmm. guess. And maybe they felt like they still had a shot. I agree. I don't think it was a great throw. Uh, it's it was hard to like get a a full form a. Good opinion on how Wentz played in this game. Did you think? The, I feel like there's another level for him that is better than what we saw on Sunday. Yeah. And then you're looking at his overall his numbers, right. and it's like 70% and eight yards per attempt, and they're crazy. I mean, I know everyone's numbers are up, but I mean, uh, it, it's just kind of unbelievable numbers for him overall. But yeah, I, I just felt like he's know. at another, he's, he is at a, a another level now yeah. where he has to be graded harsher. 
I mean, yeah, I, I, that's fair. The expectation, the 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 standard is set very high. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, and that's another. You know, I could tell that. Did you think the throw to Ertz on fourth and seven could have been better? Yes. Okay. Did you? I probably I only rewatched it once okay. right after the game. I didn't rewatch it. I think it could have been better. I also asked Gru about that. Yeah, and it was good. Aguilar didn't do a good job yeah, on that. He said Aguilar could have, maybe would have liked to get in vertical. Yeah, I mean they're right next to each other yeah. when the ball is thrown, and so there's like like there's not supposed to be traffic there. It's supposed right. to be Ertz first. Who was the safety on that Heath? Probably. Uh, it's supposed to be Ertz first, the safety, and that's it. And you know Aguilar is like right there when the ball is thrown, um, and so yeah, he he. It, those are sort of the, like the you know the little things that are getting screwed up where he's supposed to get vertical and that defender's supposed to be down the field, mm-hmm. which the outside receiver I think was Matthews, and that's what happened. Aguilar didn't do that, and so the timing of the play is kind of messed up and everybody's there, and, it, and that's part of the reason, I guess, why it doesn't, uh, doesn't work there. So, yeah. I think the Jeffrey one is the one that probably uh, the, the Jeffrey missed touchdown seemed like the one that kept him up. I agree with that. It, se- it did seem like he was really... See his reaction when I asked about it? He was, yeah. yeah, it did seem like that was the one that was like, uh, man, yeah. we, had, we had that yeah. one. Yeah, and Peterson mentioned that right after the game, too. Yeah. Um, so I think that was the big one there, and it seemed like the Camus miss was Jim Schwartz's version of that. That's probably... probably I mean, that's certainly fair. It's crazy. Those two plays go a different way, and like it, there's reasonable expectation that if... Those two plays happen ten times. That five times you will get a better result. I think, right? Well, the Camus one, he should he should make eight out of ten times at yeah. least. Even with the injury, I agree. Yeah, it wasn't like a bullet or anything. The Jeffrey one, I feel like is I understand why the coaches would harp on that one, but it's still a bang bang play. That's true. That's it's a, not like it's fair. not like you know you he missed a guy streaking wide open. Yeah, all right, um, that's that's true. Well, it goes six out of ten. I'd it say. goes back to the execution thing, which right. was like my, you know, the thing I hated about Chip Kelly's explanation so much, where it was this assumption that players are robots, and we drew it up against this coverage, and it didn't work. Right. Therefore, the players need to execute better. Like, talk about a recipe for being a terrible coach. Like, your job your is to get them to execute. Hundred percent. That is in the short description of any coach, and so. Um, I don't know. I haven't heard a lot of accountability, I will say, from this coaching staff. What do you think? Is that fair or unfair? I would say I've heard more accountability from the players than the coaches this year. I think that's probably fair. Yeah. I mean, Ertz after the game was like... It, uh, now, granted, it's easy to do when you're having the year he's having. Like, no right. one is well, criticizing I mean, Rasul you, Douglas, but still. As you Rasul said. Douglas, you know, he's kind of... He's in an important part of his career, and he took... Yeah. Uh, responsibility jenkins what was that game where he's tampa the tampa game he came yeah. out and said right afterwards yeah. he uh yeah you're probably right screwed about that. that up i'm trying to think of other other players lane johnson has sort of been up and down with his i would say yeah he kind of goes there but then he does it's he in his personality you know, to kind of defend like himself well, he says uh, you know we, we play a position where if you make one bad right. play, it's yes peter's uh, similar sort of similarly he's similar i would agree with that Wentz is sort of on the fence a little bit, I feel. Yeah, I don't think he's all the way there. He's not all the way that no. I made a mistake there and need to do a better, make a better throw. Yeah, I think that's right. So, What did you make of the... Uh, did we talk about the, the little tiff 
with the Les Bowen question after the game? No, no, we did not. What did you make of that? For those who haven't seen it, Les asked a question, or I guess he didn't ask a question. He he brought up the fact that uh, all the uh, feels like the defenses the, have a beat on their on the first scripted 15. plays. Yeah. Uh, and then Carson said, was there a question in there? And he and he repeated himself and didn't ask a question. But the implication was clear. And Carson just sort of snippily said, well, I think that's a good observation. Did you think? Did you take that as more of a uh, rebuke of the question? A short temper after a game at the, the, the lack of phrasing it in a question? Or did you uh, think that it was a bit of a veiled shot at the coaching staff no no i thought it was a hundred percent uh i mean i try not to like you know it's it's right after a i think that i think to think that it was a shot at the coaching staff would requires you like carson having that game plan going into the press conference like you would have to have other information that tells you know i think that's uh, yeah i think it's a leap i think he was generally annoyed with the way the game went and uh didn't have a real answer for that question, and so it was right. the first time I have seen him be snippy though <clears throat> yeah. in two years. I mean, oh, yeah. there's been like I don't no mind. sign of I don't that. mind seeing a little snippiness. You don't mind it, okay. Four and five, you just lost to a bad team. Yeah, deserve to be snippy. So look in the mirror. Yeah, no, uh, just don't look in the mirror. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's. I feel like these things happen throughout the course of a season where the team is not playing well. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, let's get to the uh, the owl you know before we get to the the questions, since I'm sure the questions will veer a little bit more off topic. You're you're doing this thing. I've always I have always been going back to you have when I was in school. Always a chair lean backer. This is I love to lean back in like, a chair. This gives me anxiety. Ugh, I am so much more comfortable leaning back in a chair. All right, so now this is not a chair that is specifically designed this is a to foldy be back. chair. Yeah, and this the, could end in disaster. Exactly, the front two legs are off the uh, off the ground. Like there's some good height there. I would say I I would uh, I would always lean back in school. I never would. I don't think I have ever done that. Really? Yeah. Uh, I find it I find it so much more comfortable. Too dangerous. Well, think, I like to live dangerously. Like so, how many times have you fallen back on one of these? I can't remember ever falling back. Are you serious? I'm sure it's oh, possible boy. that it's happened. You're but taking I can't out remember. that pole. Be- there's like a pole behind you. It's like, probably happened, but it could be a concussion situation if you go down. Your wife is not here. That's fine. I'm concussion gonna be picking up Casey. <laughs> you know, which would be kind of fun. I think yeah. that'd be fun for both. Come of hang you. out with the Capadias yeah, while you're uh, getting treated. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I will alert the listeners if Bo does go down because it, yeah, it legitimately gives me a little bit of anxiety watching you like that. Well, the best would be if you could find, if you were like in the uh, the back of a class and you could lean up against a wall, mm. and so that there was the backboard for the lean. That's safe. The best. Okay. I don't know if it's safer. You can the right. chair could still slip, but mm. okay. Well, on the topic of the coordinators. We're gonna do a, a themed one here. Who can I ask? Can I can I get to a mini segment before you get to this? Yeah, I just not? thought of. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention three, actually four people, and I want you to give your opinion on whether they're getting too much blame. Not should we? We should save this for WIP. That would be a good WIP segment. Okay. Let's save that for Wednesday. Okay. Is well, that a, that's that, that's up, not a bad radio I'll come up segment, with a name right? For it, sure. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Sorry to the list, listeners yeah, for that you big have to wait tease. for tomorrow. <laughs> who, for all of these guys, it's who is more likely to be on the team? 
in 2018. I can't believe we're doing this. Who is more likely to be with the Eagles in 2018? Mike Rowe or Jim Schwartz? Well, I think they're both going to be. But more likely, I would say Jim Schwartz. I think I agree with that. I think, uh, I mean, uh, there is the there is a possibility that Jim Schwartz gets a head coaching job. I doubt on it. what planet. There is Are you a, crazy. There is a, a, that possibility. No. There is less of a possibility of him being dismissed. If he doesn't get a job, he will be back. I don't think I agree. I, I think there were, I think there's as much of a possibility that Greg Williams is an interim head coach right now. Interim head coach. Okay. You know how many bad head coaches? I, I wouldn't hire Jim Schwartz, but it's I'm a just possibility. Saying, if nobody hired him last year. What would make sense? Somebody... there was late, late in the cycle. I don't know. All right. It's a, it's a, it's a 2%. Well, the only thing Mike Rose not getting favor head coaching is job. that uh, owners generally do a terrible job of identifying good Yeah, things. exactly. Okay. He's been a head coach before, so he'll okay. be on a list. All right. I bet you he gets at least an interview. All right, I'll do a little. Uh, you put a little lechuga pa- on I'll that. I'll do a little pastaficios on that. All right, deal. Okay. Uh, who is more likely to be back in 2019, Jordan Hicks or Nigel Bradham? Just as a quick follow up to the last one. By all means. Yeah, I think it would be more likely that they would um, maybe add to the offensive coaching staff than than fire grow. Right, add a uh, you know special Something. assistant, senior guy yeah, to the traveling secretary. Like, uh, and I don't think they would change anything to the. Uh, I mean, if you, it's weird when you look at the overall defensive numbers, they're not. They're actually not terrible, as I have said all along. They're mediocre or above average. I mean, they're, somehow they're bad. It hate. It's terrible watching that defense. It's like a pain, yeah. but. Compared to the rest of the league, they are not that bad. Oh, we didn't go over my. Are we going to go over my piece in a little? Uh... We can do that. Okay, we can do that after. But uh, yeah, that was one takeaway: is that like offenses are generally. I re- thought that was very interesting. Really read, good. Read, read Shields' piece on on the athletic. dot com slash Philly, the athletic. dot com slash WIP for thirty percent off and a free week trial. Okay. Uh, yes, their numbers are basically the exact same as last year in a lot of categories, except where they. Uh, rank among the league now. Uh, red zone is a little bit is a little bit worse on offense. Third down, which we thought what we always we always point to as uh, was so much better last year, was not so much better last year. Yeah, I mean the basic premise was that they're scoring twenty two points per game, and they scored twenty eight point six last year. What's the reason for that? A big reason is that the defense isn't giving the team any scoring. They scored five touchdowns last year, 35 points. That's over two points per game difference that they're not getting this year. They have, and, the, and the subsequent short fields from correct. the other turnovers. So they have zero points from defense or special teams. That's a factor. Red zone is a uh, is certainly a factor. They're not as good. It, I mean, I don't know. It wasn't like sort of – they're not like at the bottom of the league in red zone. You know, it's just last year we knew you there was going to be – 17th? Yeah. We knew there was going to be some regression. They were number one last year. Right. And uh, they're not anymore, so that certainly plays a factor in it. Uh, the explosive plays, if you look at it overall, this is always hard with explosive plays because it's like how many 20-plus plays are there? Or, you know, you right. have to what look. What if it's 19? Right. right. And so uh, they're actually pretty good. They're better. They're on pace for more 20-plus yard plays than last year. 
but they're not having any of these like big touchdown plays. So they'll get the 20-yard play, and then they're in the red zone, and then they have to execute in the red zone. Last year, they had 11 uh, explosive passing touchdowns, and this year they have three through nine games. So that backs up the everything's just a chore, you know? Yes. You might get one of those in a, throughout the course of a drive, but you still have to finish it. And if you don't, you score three, and it doesn't look as good um, as last year. And then they're getting fewer offensive possessions as well, which is both a case of everything on offense is taking longer and uh, then the defense not producing as many three and outs, getting off the field, getting turnovers, uh, all that. So um, that's the Cliff Notes version. But, yes, please do uh, go and read that. Please do. Okay, what were you saying? Linebacker? Who's more likely? Yeah, Hicks or Bradham. Well, I don't have Hicks Bradham's is a free like, contract in front of me. Can they get out of that? I don't know. I think they can. I would think Bradham would be more likely. Hicks is a free agent to be, as you mentioned. I wouldn't want to sink a lot of money into him given his injury history and the fact that when he does play... Or the linebacker position in general. Linebacker position in general, or the fact that when he's playing, you know, I think he's been pretty mediocre. So, um, you know, I think they like Hicks in terms of getting stuff set up pre-snap. There is a culture comfort level there. So I'm not ruling it out that he'll definitely be gone. But I wouldn't give any type of deal that you know carries risk with it. Definitely would let him see what he can get on the open market. Nigel Bradham will be 30 next year. It looks like he has uh, a $9 million cap number, but it's uh, $6 million in dead money if they cut him. So, yeah, so he's, he'll probably be back. Yeah, I mean, they just the signed year, him last offseason. The next so. year, they can, they can get out of it. Okay, so I'll say Bradham. Okay, I'll agree. Who is more likely to be the starting left tackle? In 2019, Jason Peters or Halapulavati Vitae or Jordan Mailata? To start to begin the season? Who, uh, yeah, to, who is the planned left starter? Hmm. It's an interesting one. I think I'm going to go with the safe pick and say Vitae. You think there's any chance Peters comes back? I mean, sort of given the way... I think he wants to keep playing. And given the way the organization has made decisions this uh, offseason, I don't think you can rule it out completely. Yeah. I would be... uh, I don't know. This year was probably a year too long, and so I would probably... I think that that Vitae is the the betting favorite, is the the chalk answer. But Mylata isn't a crazy answer. It could be. I mean, it could be a, a straight camp battle. Peters is signed through next year. He's got a, he's got another monster cap number, ten point six, and they only lose. Uh, they would only lose eight. They would only lose two point six if they cut him. So they would save eight million dollars. I mean, it yeah. would not be a smart decision at this age. He, I mean, the guy's just so banged up. I think you're right. Great career. Maybe they can convince him to uh, join the coaching staff. I don't know. I think he still wants to play. I think, he still I think to he's going to play until the, until the league wheels no. completely fall off. Yeah. Well, they almost have. Uh, who is more likely to be the starting free safety next year, Rodney McLeod or Avante Maddox? I think Avante Maddox. 
Isn't this precisely what you, you know, the kind of guy you need to fill in when you're going to potentially pay a quarterback all that money? I mean, you need a guy on his rookie contract who can come in and start. I mean, I already feel comfortable that he can at least give you, like, league average play next year. I know that's not a ringing endorsement, but uh, league average play, coaches love him, uh, versatility, you know, for what you want to do on defense. And, you know, why can't he grow and uh, and be better next year? I mean, he definitely hasn't been great. I don't want to oversell it like he's come in and, right. you know, lit the league on fire. But he's been better than you would anticipate somebody in that spot to be. So uh, I don't know why you would go with McLeod over him, to be quite honest. Well, I think they could bring McLeod back. They, they're going to have to restructure it. He's due just under $10 million, uh, and they would save about $5 million. By cutting him. Unless the rest of the season tells you a different story about maybe if he looks real good playing nickel or something. Well, the other, the other thing possible. is, like, why McLeod's not going to be ready for the start of the year anyway, presumably. Yeah. So why not bring him back and have a little bit of safety depth at a position where they have no other depth? So what, McLeod's going to come in and not start, not play when he's healthy? I don't know. I feel like give, the contract. given the state of safety play in the NFL, yeah. I would think he can play somewhere else. I suppose you're right. Who, 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 who is, is more likely to be on the team next year, Nelson Aguilar or Golden Tate? Aguilar is more likely. Yeah, I agree. That's sort of an obvious one. It's possible that neither is on the team now. Last one, who is more likely to be on the roster next year, Michael Bennett or Brandon Graham? Oh, good one. Man, this would have been... I would have probably definitely given a different answer before the season. Brandon Graham's contract is up after this year. Michael Bennett. Bennett signed. Is signed through next year. Uh, but it's a $7 million cap number, and there is no dead money if they cut him. So it's a full team option. I don't know. I'm kind of leaning Bennett here. Is that crazy? Bennett has been better this year. Ben's played better, yeah. Question about that. Uh, He is a little bit older. Yeah, he is old. He didn't make the biggest play in franchise history. You wonder what role that will play. Um, I I think I will probably say Bennett. But I think this is the closest one. The grand thing is really just like a mystery. I mean... You know, if he's know willing if to mystery, come back but... on like a like a reasonable deal, uh, he is. I mean, he is proven willing to be a part of a rotation. Whereas, you know, you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes with Bennett. Yeah, I think that will be telling with Bennett in the off season whether they bring him back or not. All the sort of stuff that's been bubbling up, and right. you're not sure how serious it is behind the scenes. What they do with him will be telling but in terms of just production he's, he's been better he's been productive um and he can you know they both can rush from the inside and the outside i mean this is the like without that defensive line what do you have in this defense and so you have to make smart decisions but uh that's where they're going to invest their money and we'll see i don't know what the deal is with graham all right let's get to getting a bird in edgewise okay what do you got noah becker if the Saints win the Super Bowl, would that break the Kapadia curse, given its origins? Mm. Uh, for those that don't know, 
I was doing some freelancing for Sports on Earth. Remember that website? I forgot about that. Yeah, back in the day. Well, that's <laughs> well, Noah doesn't forget. Oh, I know. <laughs> and so uh, I did my preseason predictions. I think this was during my birth's 24-7 days. I yeah. wrote like a weekly column. And uh, I had the Saints, I think, winning the Super Bowl. Rob Ryan was their defensive coordinator. They were coming off his one good year as a defensive coordinator. Was that, was that the year they beat Chip Kelly in the playoffs? You know what? I don't know. Okay. Uh, and they did not, from what I remember, get anywhere near the Super mm. Bowl that year. I don't. Yeah, I don't think they made the playoffs. So that's what he is referencing. Referencing. Now, I have been bullish on the Saints this year. Although I, I think, think it only breaks the curse if you predict that they win the Super Bowl that's and true. they win the Super Bowl. That's true because I picked the Packers to win the Super right. Bowl. So uh, I would say no, it would not break the Kapati curse. I think that's right. Okay. I know that's right. Uh, from Matt Alari, does Doug Peterson hate Dallas Goddard? This sets you up to, uh, to unload well, the take that you've been well, willing, I mean, we were just discussing. I, I mean, I think as uh, everyone knows, we feel like Goddard should be on the field more and that he could help the offense. However, I was thinking about some of the offseason questions and it, I feel like it just reinforces the fact. <laughs> Resources, baby! I mean, they're going to need... They need a cornerback. They could use a playmaker at linebacker. They could use some defensive line help. Uh, potentially an offensive tackle. Definitely a running back. Definitely wide receiver. And this guy's just like blocked from being on the field and playing a meaningful role for you when you have a Super Bowl window. I like that. The so first I thing you did when the game was over was immediately pull up Anthony Miller's line from the day. Yeah, he had over 100. Yeah. Like Goddard the player, as I've said all along, get him on the field more. It's a fair process. I don't know about the process. Meanwhile, you like the Golden. I mean, look at Ertz. I mean, look at Ertz. He's not playing over. There's there's no scenario where he's replacing Ertz in like the next two years. Well, they played. Goddard played like three snaps in the first half. They went to twelve personnel. I mean, your season's on the line, and he's playing nineteen snaps. I know it's hard for rookie tight ends, but it's not even it's really not even about this year. It's kind of like looking ahead. You know, if at this point next year we're saying, Oh man, this twelve personnel is, you know, lighting the league on fire and they found a way to get Goddard involved, then fine. If not, if we're saying, man, they could really use a running back wide receiver, pass rusher, cornerback, uh linebacker, <laughs> and he's playing forty percent of the snaps and is like a decent contributor but not great. Uh, and I think I got something there. Right. Um, I'm going to get correct. He's scoring a touchdown on Sunday, isn't he? As they lose by 30. <laughs> uh, Kill a cow. What's the LaCroix consumption over-under status? I think, uh, I think there's only been one so far. I got a, I got a straight water What, today. like on the season? I think it was during, during podcast, during episodes. Oh, okay, yeah. I don't remember what the actual over I don't mess was. with that nonsense. Good question. I do like you know what I, I did though on the London trip. I did it on the plane and I enjoyed it. Just a regular seltzer. Yeah. What do you call that when you order it? Mm, I, Lots of names on that yeah, bad do boy. Do you go club soda? Do you go I, seltzer? I said club soda. Uh, is there a difference between club soda and tonic? Is yes, tonic is sweetened. Oh really? Okay. Right. Tonic is different. Okay. Well, I'm glad I said club soda. Don't people some some people say soda water? Some people do say that. Okay. Uh, I I usually bubble water as my kids call on a it. plane. I think I will say club soda. 
but I, I, yeah. I do generally prefer to say seltzer. I said club soda. She said, would you like a lemon with that? Hell yeah. It's living <laughs> right right there. That's right. I know that's right. What are your go-to drinks on the plane? Club soda. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's my number one go-to. Okay. Uh, ginger ale is actually... Me too. Yeah. Great plain drink. Great plain Tremendous drink. Tremendous with the ice. Yeah, oh. absolutely. Uh, Why is that's that? That's it. It's ginger ale and then... The only two times I ever have ginger ale are on the plane and when I'm sick. Yep, 100%. Although, not a bad, uh, not a bad mixer for whiskey. Sometimes, really. If, uh, oh yeah, that's our seven and seven, seven right? And seven, yeah, yeah, that's not mine. Um, and whiskey to- ginger and tomato juice. I think a seven up is technically different than. Oh, that's ginger. right. No, I'm wrong. Yeah, you're right. That's a seven up. Okay, that's okay. Uh, Seagram. That's right. A Seagram is that sure. a seven up? Is that a seven and yes. seven? Okay. Yes. Uh, and then the, you know, you got the tomato juice people, I feel like. Yeah, I think we may have talked about that. At before. some point in your life, I feel like you graduate I from the never... plain trick, the ginger ale to the tomato juice. I will never touch that. Me My neither. parents are big fans. Well, you just said at some point in your life, you will graduate. No, I will not. Oh. The yeah, general I don't population get the does. tomato juice thing. Yeah. How do you feel about the people who ask for the uh, full can or something on the, uh, you know? Can you just give me the can? I would never ask myself, never. but they often do offer it. Would you like the can? Oh, if they offer it, you say yes. Of course. But I'm never going to be presumptive enough to... That's aggressive. Or, like a, or if it's like a, uh, one of those like snack bags, you know, like they're carrying around a tray of different snacks, yeah. and someone's like, oh, can I take two? Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to ask for that. I'll tell you what I did on the, <laughs> on the way back from London. They were handing out meals. Uh, I don't like any plain food. Oh, really? I don't know if it's gotten better. I think I was scarred. I actually, I actually don't mind like a really? like an actual meal. Okay, when it's one of those like you know, like it's an actual meal and not just like yeah. uh, uh, peanuts or whatever. Yeah, I actually usually don't mind it. Really? Okay. I think I was maybe scarred. the expectations are so low. Yeah, growing up, the trips to India would be the only time that you would mm. get offered that. And I never, I always thought it was like gross, but then those were your kid taste buds. But True. since then, I've never accepted a meal on a plane until yeah. the flight back from, uh, from London and they were handing out meals. And uh, first, actually, I don't know, I might be getting confused here. At one point, I said no to the meal, but then I saw that it included an ice cream. And so, oh. so then I had to. Uh, Give the lady a little nudge and say, can I just get the ice cream from Oh, you asked for just the ice and cream. She, and she was like, you know, making fun of me like, oh, you can't have that. You can't have dessert unless you have your no, that's uh, funny. meal. But then she did give me that. But then, yeah, they had some sort of uh, sandwich. Like a, you look at pasta. Sandwichy type item. It's like a cheese sandwich oh, type Oh, so thing. that's not, yeah, I don't want it's that. fine. It was at that point where you're so hungry you want anything right. on the plane. So Give me a little, a little pasta can, can, can be fine. They did have a pasta thing. That that can be fine? Yeah. Okay, all right. Next time I'll give it a shot. Okay. Brendan Reeves, why don't NFL players miss games during cold and flu season? Constantly traveling in close contact with others. They must be exposed to germs constantly. Hashtag Ask Dr. Scheel. Well, they are. I mean, the Eagles were, were very sick leading up to the Super Bowl. That's right. As was everybody in Minneapolis yeah. for that week. Sick of the Eagles fans. But you are right that the yeah they generally don't miss games. I guess they just well listen. Through. I am as big of a baby as it gets. Yeah, I when, am. It, when it comes to getting a cold, but I think even I would would be able to to suit up on Sunday. Well, they're getting world class like uh, remedies. You yes, know? that's true. I mean, whatever they can probably have all the honey lemon water they want. 
someone making it for Probably. Them. They probably yeah. could. You think that's in their contract? No, I think it's understood. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, that's a fair question. Garrett wants to know, what are some fun things to do on Sundays between mid-November and <laughs> January? Mm. I, I am curious about the where the head of the fan base is right now. I feel like above its shoulders. I feel like most are in the camp of well the season's probably over. I will watch just in case something fun happens and because you'll miss football season in like March. There's probably a a small segment of it who thinks that they've got a legit chance to get their stuff together, I guess. I don't know. You have no opinion. Okay. You I'm interested. Listening. I'm interested. Right. I've, okay. I'm, I've, I've long been interested in how different uh, Eagles fans feel about this season after having reached the climax of the Super Bowl. True. You know what the problem is? It has not been a fun team at all. Not at all. Like if they were losing these games, you know, like uh, 38-35 or something, and the defense was just a complete disaster, but the offense is looking like it did last year, I think it would be a lot easier to take because then you could say, all right, this offseason we'll do this, this, and this, and we'll be back there. But it it hasn't been that kind of season. It's like the parts about this team that you were most excited about last year, you're not excited about this year. Okay, what do you got? Uh, SJ Hack, who is the best player that is a hashtag even better guy? He says, I'd say Larry Fitzgerald. I do not believe that that is the case. Uh, that's the problem. It's, 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 uh, 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 for a player to be one of the best, it's really going to be likely that he's an even one of the best guys of all yeah, time. Yeah, there isn't one. Yeah, I think you've got to be looking at, at the lower-level players. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know who the best player is. What about that, uh, who was that, like, math guy with the, John Urschel? John Urschel? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Is he, I don't know. Just because he, he's smart? Yeah, you know, I don't what know. About, what about Laurent Duvernay-Daldif? Well, that's, uh, that's true. He might be a good one. That might be the answer, right? I, I mean, for sure, as long as it lets me get to say it. I mean, he's helping sick people. Laurent Duvernay-Daldif. And what is he? He's, like, a probably mediocre to slightly above average offensive lineman? Yeah. That's pretty good. Still, though, I mean... Like, you got to come up with some kind of cure or something, or mm. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I gave it a shot. Shield judges doctors. A new segment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Zach McDonald is Doug not trusting Wentz enough? Questionable calls on third and fourth and short recently. Ooh, well, that's not a that's not a bad question. I mean, we've said that maybe the answer for the uh, slow starts is to just hand Wentz the keys and see what happens. I know that's right. Definitely. I mean, that you know, rewatching that third down, the, the screen to Tate on the first drive, that's a bit puzzling to not let Wentz at least throw the sticks on that play. That was one of those. It was like that was like a my owner is Jerry Jones and just traded for the guy play. Yeah. And if you're going to run that, run that on first down. Hundred percent. Yeah. I you know what that I kind of like that question. That's not a crazy theory because there have been sprinkles of you know previous weeks. Oh, you know, went, went, Carson you know, gets a little bit aggressive, and we're not taking what the defense gives, and and this is the position that Doug has played. And I don't know, maybe there's a little well, little and wasn't to it. isn't wasn't there a thing about 
they weren't doing the weekly meetings anymore, him and Doug? Is that true? I don't know. They, they didn't do it before the first game. I don't think okay. there's been a We should follow up, up on that. We should follow up on that. Brain drain talk from Ryan Lane. Ten teams hired outside offensive coordinators this year, not including Flip. Do you prefer any of them to grow? This is Dole Loggins with the Dolphins, Brian Dable with the Bills, Sirianni with the Colts, LaFleur with the Titans, Olsen with the Raiders, Shula with the Giants, Helfrich with the Bears, Philbin with the Packers, Norv, your boy, and Brian Schottenheimer with the Seahawks. Now, it's tough because What's the... the question? Do I prefer any w- of them? Would you to... have taken any of those over Grow? Now, it's tough because, on the one hand, the Eagles were later in the process. Yeah. Reich didn't, was the last coach to be hired, so they were, they were last to this dance. Right. And at the, uh, on the second hand, some of these guys are offensive coordinators with a defensive head coach, so that's yeah. a little bit more autonomy than you would get with the Eagles. You know what's probably the most important part about that job is like the relationship with Doug. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's not so much the... Yeah, well, that's what we said at the time, but I don't know if that's true. I don't think that's true. I'd rather have a, I'd rather have a, a better coordinator. Well, I mean, it, it could go hand in hand. Like he's thinking of, you know, doing something and you're in his ear saying, that's not a good idea. Right. I, mean, I don't know. It's impossible to know whether he and Grow have that type of relationship uh, or not. I feel like, you know... The fight in Frank Reichs, he just had that demeanor where, right. you know, no one was going to take offense. So I honestly don't know enough about There's this nobody quarters. on this list that I'm like, oh, that should have been How the guy. How about Mark Helfrich? That, that well, Helfrich is one. the one guy that jumps out to me. I think it would have been a uh, tough sell bringing in the guy who replaced Chip Maybe. back to the, back to Philadelphia. But I, th- I would have liked that as sort of a, a different kind of offensive mind. I know Lafleur is getting a, a lot of uh, buzz because he was McVay's boy, and the Titans have won some games. But I said the season play out there. Yeah. Uh, well, let's say they do add some type of offensive mind. Do you think they should hire someone with the West Coast background? Someone with the little more. Collegey. I mean, they are this hybrid offense. Yeah. This collegey background. I, I wonder what they would look for. In that coach, I don't know what the answer is. Well, I would say not the West Coast background. That's I the, think so too. That's I think the Doug background. Doug should have that covered. I'd rather have either the college or more of a you know Bruce Arians downfield. Oh, oh what a name! Yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> He's going to be coaching the Browns, right? He would make things tough for for John McMullen. Yes, BG Brandon Graham always calls him. Uh, Arians. Did you just he pull always, that name he, out of nowhere there, Bruce Arians? Had you thought about that before? That no, answer? but I was thinking of the type oh. of offense. Okay. They, they could use a little bit of a downfield flair. Yeah. All right. Uh, Matt Wilcox, how much of the season can we genuinely blame on injuries? Last year was such a fluke slash miracle. This year it feels like the team started out injured, has remained injured, and only piled up more injuries. Can we say 40% of the blame goes to injury? More or less. I say less. Everybody gets injured. The injuries haven't. I mean, the injuries haven't been that bad. I don't. I mean, there there are a lot of them piling up. I agree, but I, I think, think it's, it's getting overplayed. I think it's getting overplayed, and it's also like none of them are the the ones that are like. I was going to say unforeseen. Nothing is unforeseen in the NFL. Like everybody gets injured, but like the Derek Barnett one is is. Uh, frustrating because it's a, a second-year player. 
But like, you know, you bring Darren Sproles back, you're sort of asking for this. You bring Jason Peters back, you're sort of asking for this. Um, I don't know, like Ajay Mike, Mike is Wallace, not crazy. Ajay is not crazy. Like, it's not that nuts. I mean, they haven't. Who are the? You're going to get guys hurt. Yeah, in the NFL. In the National Football League, nobody's healthy. It's a game of attrition now. I know, that's right. I mean, they haven't lost their three most indispensable players, right? Wentz, Cox, and Jenkins, I would say. Right. Am I missing somebody there? No. Especially offensively, I feel like it's a... uh, Ertz. Ertz. Their four best players have been healthy all year. I guess Lane Johnson is not... Lane Johnson's a better player than Malcolm Jenkins, but... At the same time, Lane Johnson was not playing well when he was healthy, assuming there wasn't some crazy injury right. that you know Kelsey's yeah. playing through. Stuff, I, I think it's a I think it's I, a weak in, weak excuse for the offense specifically. I say five percent. I mean, Mike Wallace wasn't doing anything when he was healthy. Matt Collins. I mean, what were your real right. expectations for him? Ajay. I mean, I don't the Richard know. Rogers one's a big blow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kelsey's there. <clears throat> I mean, granted, everyone McLeod. who's there is not 100% healthy, but Kelsey, Brooks, whoever you want to play left guard, Peters and Johnson are playing through injuries. But, yeah, I mean, if you want to say that, if the defense totally goes in the tank, even more so between now and the end of the season, right? I think I could be more willing to... Uh, but at this point in the season, they're, they're here already. Yeah, I agree. All right. Luke wants to know, what are the chances that our Colts make the playoffs? Listen, you know, I I was looking at some uh, little gambling article for this week, and oh. I was jumping on those Titans thinking they're going to go in to Frank Reich Stadium and beat the Colts in a crucial AFC South matchup. Be careful now. I'll say that. Be careful. Nick Lingle. I'm looking forward to covering those Colts games. <laughs> Uh, we have sort of touched on this, so I, but I wanted to give it to you because he's uh, he's on your page here. Do you buy Peterson's reasoning for limiting Tate snaps? Also, why aren't we seeing more Goddard spending draft capital on these supposed offensive playmakers? Seems wasteful given their usage to date. Preach. Well, you can't stay all the way there because you were wrong I about can. Tate. It's t- it's a different situation. Tate, I'm getting something back, and you're taking a swing. Nothing about that is the same as the Goddard thing. Peck Nest migrate. Peck is just one game. Nest is the full season. How many questions are we doing? Like 50? Migrate is, you know what migrate is. Which Eagles team would you rather watch? The 2018 Eagles, the 2015 Eagles, or the 2011 Eagles? 15 is chips last year. All right, good, because I'm terrible at remembering. And I think 11 is, is it dream team year? Wouldn't that be 12? 12 was uh, Andy's last year. Right. Was so, that the Dream Team year? No. Yeah. So what was oh, 11? 11 was Dream Team. 12 was his last year. Is that right? No idea. No. You had to do a little research before you bring that question to the table. Uh, 18, 15. Well, I mean, I would, I would uh, nest Wait, this. so we weren't here for 15, right? Neither of us was here for 15. But Bradford was playing quarterback, wasn't he? Yeah. All right, so that migrate the hell out of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm nesting this year just because I, I don't already know how it plays out. Well, that's a weird explanation. That's not the premise of the question. And I get to watch Carson Wentz. Okay. I would... 
You got something from 11 for me? 11 is, it's the year they drafted Watkins and Jarrett. So I think that is dream team year. Who is the quarterback, Vic? Vic. I think that's, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll nest that one. I mean, I'll peck that one. I'm I'm terrible at remembering. I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch that chip season. I'm migrating that chip season for sure. Here's the Wikipedia: The Eagles had high hopes of competing for a Super Bowl with several notable offseason acquisitions. However, they ultimately failed to make the playoffs for the first time since 2007. Oh, this is when they this is when they won their last four games, and there was talk about whether that would carry over to 2012, mm. which is always nonsense. I may have fallen into that trap. I'll be honest. Uh Sean McDermott fired in the off. That was after that season. It was after that season. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then they hired Washburn after that. And Juan. I'm trying to look to see if there's a schedule results on this page. Started out at the Rams, and then they lost one, two, three, four in a row. Falcons, Pills. Uh, I don't know. I've spent too much time on this already, haven't I? Uh, all right, I'll nest this season. All right, two more. Peck that one. Uh, okay, these are two more, but three squeezed into two. Daniel wants to know, what position is the top priority for the Eagles to address in the draft? And there is a similar question. What position are you most confident in the birds drafting with one of their first three picks in the T- first two Tight rounds? end to answer the second one. <laughs> Uh, okay, listen. Wide receiver is is. I don't like the listen. I don't like the listen or the look. Just get to what you're saying. To vocal tick. <laughs> you listen to me. Um, wide receiver is in the conversation. Offensive line is certainly in the conversation. I think defensive and and defensive tackle are in the conversation, and. Someone in the secondary is in the conversation. More than two distinctions, which do I think is the biggest what is need? The, what is the biggest need, and then which one are you most confident that they will draft among their first three picks? All right, most confident is D-line. All right, well, what if you had to pick between end and tackle? I would say that I am most confident that they will draft a defensive tackle. Really? Yes. No, I think I would say defensive end. Okay. Uh, most confidence they confident they draft a defensive end. Their biggest need. I'm curious to see what they do this offseason because maybe the move is to just like build up the offense and see what happens on defense in the current state of the NFL. Just, you know, get a good pass rush. Give me those fastballs, baby. Yeah, get a good pass rush. And yeah, then, well, well, yeah, but how are you going to get a good pass rush? Well, yeah, you can invest some in the pass rush and then try to score... Uh, Ooh, we have an Eagles alerts. 35 a game. So I would say... Oh, baby! Eagles son will tie to the practice squad and release Billy Brown. Wonderful. We should emergency pot. Will tie. He's been in the league. I mean, running I back that is means a big need, right? they're not bringing back Richard Rodgers. Running back's a big need. That's true. Mm-hmm. I forgot about running back. Running back or wide receiver, probably. You're most confident, or is bigger need? Or the big need. So is pass rush. I don't right? think running back's the biggest need. Well, they could address that in, in free agency or a trade. Yeah. So. I think defensive line is the biggest need. Probably true. Yeah. 
All right. All right, last question. Oh, my gosh. It's a good one. Ethnic food big board top three. Mm, good one. From Big Seals. He says, I'll go first. And he says, Indian, Thai, Mexican, in that order. Mm. Well, is this like uh, like from a restaurant? Like if I don't include Indian, am I still allowed to uh, eat a home-cooked Indian meal or no? You are. And this is not a Peck Nest migrate. This is just a big board. Oh, big board. Uh I feel like Mexican is definitely my number one. Okay. If I'm going purely by what I'm most frequent ordering, yeah, frequently ordering, the contenders are Mexican, Vietnamese, Japanese, Chinese, and Indian. Oh, how dare you! Fighting words, start of World War uh, III. I'm not including like French or Italian. I feel like those are too yeah, have become what, too I Americanized. Don't know what, I don't know what ethnic. I think they've become Americanized okay. enough. Uh, I will tell you why why uh, Indian is not in my top three, mm. and it is a failing of my own. He's trying to look me in the eye as he says this. And this is a personal failing. Okay. I am not uh, – when I order Indian, I want to order lots of things. I want to try lots of different things. I'm okay. not comfortable enough being like, I'm just getting the sag paneer. That's my meal. Whereas I can just order a burrito. That's my dinner. Or I can just get some pho or get some ramen. That's my dinner. So Indian becomes a little bit more of a, uh, a tougher value prop because I'm going to have to order a few things to stack it up. That's why I, I tend to order it a little bit less than the others. So I would go. Right now I'm gonna I'm I'm going Vietnamese one. Wow. Mexican two. Japanese three. Mm. Mexican they've they've always been uh, very vegetarian friendly. Mm. So they get the one. How do you feel about a Thai? I like a Thai. I I uh, rarely end up pulling the trigger on a Thai. Okay. I feel like, we'll go, I mean, we'll also go Chinese. We'll get, you know... Thai is very high variance, I feel. They are mm. the Nick Foles. You think they're the Nick Foles? There are meals I've had where okay. I'm like, oh, let's go here every week. Yeah. There are others. Eh. I'll go Mexican, Thai, Indian then. Although, like I said, I don't really eat at a lot of Indian restaurants. Right. I mean, I'm not going to come on here and disgrace my people and not have them <laughs> in the top three. So, you know. <laughs> I gotta include them. That's fair. <laughs> okay. You had a, somebody gave you a recommendation for an Indian place. You uh, know, a couple people have hashtag, given hashtag Sports India. Yeah, a couple people have given me that uh, that same place. That same place. I'll have to check it out. Well, it'll have to be our next meetup. You know, M Night Shyamalan tweeted uh, that he was at the Eagles game with his dad. Is this a bit or no? <laughs> no, before last game, and I, I so wanted to retweet him hashtag sports. Why Indian. didn't you do that? Because there would have been like five people who got it. That's the whole point of Twitter. <laughs> do you want me to go back? Yes. <laughs> Pull the trigger. You want me to do it right now? Yes. All right. Let's close the show with that. All right. This will be fun for people to listen to after seeing the tweet. I think you should probably talk while I do this. It doesn't make for a good podcast. I what, disagree. Why don't you give people the setup of the week, what they can do to help us since nobody wants to comment or help us move up the charts, all that. Yeah, she wants you all to go to hell. We, are, uh, we will be back tomorrow night 
on WIP, 8 to 9, Birds with Friends Radio with Joe Giglio. We'll do whatever the game she wanted to do with uh, people, whether people are getting too much or not enough blame. We'll call it the, the well, I'll come up with a name. Uh, then we'll be back uh, probably on Thursday. Real quick, is it, is it Sports Indian or sport? It's Sports, right? I think it was Sports Indian. All right. I think it was plural. Okay. Uh, probably back on Thursday with our preview of the game. And then we'll be back uh, Sunday night with the post-game pod. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, download, delete, and then re-download. All that good stuff. Leave a review. You know, give us a, give us a peck nest migrate in there or something like that. Have I'll, some fun. I'm going to give a little context and say hashtag sports Indian for the BWF listeners. I don't want M. Knight to look at it and, you know, think I don't want the, uh, you know, people who are unfamiliar. You think I should just sports Indian? I think Indian? you should do just sports Indian. All right. If there's backlash. Build that brand. If there's backlash from my people, you're going to have health. You're fight. the leader of the people. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. All right. Once, once Shield hits tweet, that will, be, uh, that will be the close of the show. There you go. All right. Nice. Oh, great. Great uh, hat on his dad, by the way. What do we got? Look at that. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I need some of those. Hats? A hat? You need a hat? shiny dome, yeah. Okay. The hat becomes a very important accessory. It's bad news that you're not going to be considered for the Eagles coaching staff. Yeah, no shot. Hmm. Deuce. No shot either. He's got my look, right? No shot. No no wonder he wasn't hired. Hmm. Could be. Okay. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow night on WIP. Tell your friends about the show. Spread the word. Evangelize. You know? That'd be nice. Yeah. All right. For Sheila and Bo, and we love you.